0: Hi
1: everyone, welcome to another episode of Sean's Wildlife Podcast. It's a pleasure to have this guest on tonight, uh, night where I am, maybe not where you're listening, but it is Kate McRae, who's otherwise known as Wildlife Kate. And Kate is most well known for her work filming and live streaming all kinds of wildlife into our homes via social media and has also featured on the likes of BBC Springwatch and Countryfile. I think it's safe to say, Kate, you are a fellow wildlife nut. Would that be right, Would that be all right to say?
0: That would be absolutely spot on, yes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. I've, I think I've followed you on Twitter for years and years and years and love your stuff that you <laughs> post on there.
0: Great stuff. Yeah, Twitter is my main platform and I, well, it's become an integral part of my life. I sort of document just about everything wildlife that I do on that and I've been amazed at The number of people who follow me and my inane wildlife related tweets, sometimes far too many really.
1: (laughs) Oh, I wouldn't say it's inane. It's really good stuff. You've got what is it twenty seven thousand followers that I see earlier today?
0: Yeah, something like that. It's it just blows my mind
1: (laughs) yeah it's mad well people enjoy it and I think Mm -hmm. you probably had a lot more followers this year um because I think we've seen the power of connecting to nature and and the the joy that wildlife brings this year of all years haven't we
0: yeah yeah I think you know sometimes with you know with people like us who have always loved it and always been connected um it's it's really nice to suddenly see a whole load of people who are like oh now I get where you're coming from
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> who, yeah who benefited um and and realize how much better they feel for it and and also how wonderful it is just to watch what's sort of right on your doorstep
1: that's it and I think even with like the little normal things that we're quite used to seeing people discovering those things for the first time mm-hmm. is really really lovely isn't it
0: yeah and I think really that's that's the fundamental part of what I do I'm not although I, I have travelled a little bit, it's only really been in the last few years, and 99% of what I do is right here, you know, no further than my own garden or certainly the area surrounding my garden. So it's it's really wonderful to see other people discovering that and and just on the walks I go out just from looking at leaves or like the fungi appearing now or a tree I pass every day and how that's changed it's not rocket science it's just stopping people and making them look at things that they've forgotten to look at
1: yeah and it's about observation, really, isn't it? When you when you do take time to stop to look, and I guess people have always been time poor. And like, and at the start of lockdown, when you know we just had our one hour of permitted exercise per day, yeah. it kind of made people like just stop and take notice more of nature, didn't it?
0: Yeah, and it made people value that hour in a way that they'd never valued before. I think mm. so you you went out for that hour, and you're like, right, I really make, need to make this matter this hour this this needs to basically do something for me as a person and um yeah. that being outside in nature and it isn't just the observations it's this it's it's a whole sensory thing yeah um you know sounds
1: and smells yeah, and everything
0: exactly and, and like now i love that smell of autumn, when you go out and it's a bit damp and you've got that smell of the leaves. The that earthy really smell as well, yeah. The smell. And, and for a lot of people, they didn't know what I meant.
1: <laughs> really?
0: <laughs> and, but, of course, a lot, a lot of my followers, or a lot of the people who interact a lot with me, are very like me, so they know exactly what I mean when I say that. But yeah. for many people, they've, they've lost that connection and yeah. rediscovering it which is wonderful. And that's the same with me working with children. You know, it's um, it's it's showing children that and introducing them to that and enthusing about it.
1: Yeah, totally. And I don't know about you, but I certainly found, you know, trying to get into the habit of having that pressure of, you know, you can get out for one hour and this is your nature time. Putting away my phone and switching off from technology is really hard sometimes, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the number of people I see out either running or walking or whatever, and they've got headphones in. And I'm always, I know, I always like think take the headphones out. You've got to, you know, you can be walking and, and listening uh, and watching, but unless you take those earphones out, you're not in that environment. You're somewhere else, or at least half of you is. Um And, yeah, Yeah. I have my phone out because, you know, I tweet all the time and I take my – you know, I used to have a little point-and-shoot camera. I just don't – my phone is so good, the camera. So I'm always taking photos and and basically reminding people that, you know, it can be anything from a newly opened conker to a beautiful maple leaf to the sun shining through the autumn leaves. It's all those little things, and apparently – that's what really benefits your uh, mental health and your endorphins is the noticing because yeah. when you notice it then you're connecting.
1: Yeah absolutely. Um,
0: and that connection is is what's beneficial to us.
1: Yeah totally I've seen it on my own social media and on Ealing Wildlife Group as well mm. um, the amount of people that are saying actually it's just done wonders for their mental health this year to slow down, have a look and get out daily if they can really to connect um, with nature. So, Kate, where did it all begin for you? Um, I know my story is started very, very early um, age, turning over stones and looking at creepy crawlies and things. But what's your background in wildlife? Where did it all come from, do you think?
0: Well, it's really hard to say because I wasn't like, you know, sort of born in the country. I grew up in southeast London. You can probably hear a bit of a southeast London twang. Um, right so although I wasn't in the center of you know I was in the sort of suburbs um, we always had a nice garden my parents were both keen particularly my father was always keen on birds and so we always had a bird table and for as long as I can remember I was always fascinated with birds and everything everything outdoors you know creatures and plants and it was something that always interested me. And, and when you speak to a lot of people who um, have been, at, who are really keen enthusiasts now, you, they say the same like you did from uh, as long as they can remember, it's been something that has fascinated them and it was always encouraged, you know? So I was interested in wildlife. So my parents bought me books about it and magazines. They encouraged um, the bird feeding and it, it just grew from that, really.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then in terms of your career, you went into education. Is that right? Yes.
0: Yeah, so I did um, I did a teaching degree with um, environmental education. So All right. um, that was always my sort of slant was the biology side. Uh, I mean, I did three science A-levels as well. So I've always been interested in the science side of things. So I did a, a teaching degree, primary teaching degree. Um, with environmental education, and then um, although I taught, you know, general primary, the environmental side was always what I loved doing. So I always had my group outside. I helped develop school grounds right from the start, really, and that that has um, carried on. So when yeah. I'm teaching full time, I've done consultancy in schools, everything from writing education materials to developing school grounds, and um, and that has carried on into my current role, which is two days a week at a big junior school where I teach outdoor learning. Okay. So yeah. um, it's basically the learning outside of the classroom, and I've developed all the school grounds. And so, you know, that's, that's sort of carried on, that love. Um, so that was the teaching side. But then that quickly, obviously, when you're that interested, you're, what do you do in your spare time? Um, impacts then on well certainly impacted on my job because I found I was using technology I was actually the ICT um, head of ICT at the last school I taught that so I've always been interested in technology and obviously as things have progressed you know what you can do now with technology and wildlife well it just blows my mind and I love it so I've sort of yeah that element really Um, and then the wildlife Kate sort of Came out of me wanting to document the projects I was doing. I've always been a diary writer, so I started writing a blog, and then yeah. people were interested in what I was doing. And it, and really, the blog started for me. It wasn't. I didn't do any of this for other people. I did it because I. I, I do so many different things. I sort of forget, and I like to document what I do.
1: Yeah, so you'd have and something really- to look back on, and kind of.
0: That's yeah. right. So it sort of started from that and it just, and then I, I you know, once, once you start to play around with some of the camera stuff, then the technology just, you know, sort of blew my mind and gave me a lot more
1: scope. Well, that's what I was going to ask you next, actually, is like, where did the kind of obsession, I think it's fair to say obsession with filming come from? Because was that just kind of picking up your first kind of trail camera gadget and then just seeing what you could do with it and, and kind of upgrading as you went because some of the technology you use now is um pretty high tech I'm not a very good technological person I get very frustrated if I don't have time and a computer or something doesn't work but um how do you how did you find that kind of technology side because some of the stuff you're doing now is absolutely insane in terms of quality and the setups that you're creating and things
0: yeah and that's that's just entirely self-taught just driven by i'd sort of i was going to say a need and it is a sort of need an obsession with being able to get closer to the wildlife that's you know right here in my garden and it actually started i think really with my first nest box camera kit and that was okay. and that was bought for me some i don't know 10 13 years ago for a birthday present actually from my father um and it was I was going to amazing. say someone
1: who knew you very yeah. well. <laughs> yeah.
0: And it was in the quite early days, you know, in the last decade, obviously, camera kits have moved on a hell of a lot. So it was quite a new thing. And it was very, when I look back now, it's, it, the quality was abysmal, but I thought it was amazing. Yeah. And it was, it was one I just wired back through a little vent in the kitchen and plugged it into an old black, an old little um, portable TV I had in the kitchen.
1: Yeah, I had one of those. <laughs> I, just,
0: I just watched it on that, so I watched an a blue tit nested in there, and I was absolutely hooked. I mean, I spent the first few weeks just staring at the TV and an empty nest box, like willing something to come in.
1: I know the feeling. I know the feeling. My um, my parents back home in Ireland uh, put up one recently, and again, quite a crude, uh, cheapo version compared to what's available now. But yeah. they wired it up to um, a little old portable TV in the garage. Yeah, and um, my mum is a smoker, so she'd go out in the backyard and, and have a cigarette in the evening and a glass of wine. And she actually, she's not a wildlife nut. My dad is where I got my love of yeah. wildlife from. Um, but my mum was so invested in these baby blue tits fledging <laughs> the nest, you know, for for several weeks in the summer, uh, yeah. two years ago.
0: And I think that was she, it. That was it. You know, once it had nested, and, and although I'd watched it, you know, on TV before, they were my blue tits and they were in my garden. Yeah. And, and yeah. I made it a whole lot better, so the following year, I got a little gadget that I could attach it to my laptop at which point, when the bluetooth came in, I could hit record on my laptop and it would record the video, and yeah. I, I was just literally hooked and it, it so
1: then you were a filmmaker from then on right <laughs> yeah, that
0: was the first, that was me basically my first filming and yeah. um, and then obviously over the the last decade, things have moved on massively, so I you know, I started with just the sort of bog standard ones you could buy, um, and experimented with those and started to film and then blog about it, and then technologies moved on. So and of course I got better at doing it and I'm I'm pretty creative. I'm never satisfied with what I've done. And and when that nesting season was over, it was like, Oh, what a shame. I've got a little camera sitting in a box and it's gonna sit there all winter. It's, well, it was yeah. doing nothing. It was like a waste. So I thought, if I took it out, what else could I film? And that's when I took it out and basically made another box that was similar nest box size. And I started filming mammals. So I, I cable tied this little tiny camera underneath. Um, it was actually a wicker basket with a top right. that made it like waterproof, put a few bits of food in. And because it was illuminating the same kind of size as a nest box, I started filming mice coming in. I thought, oh, this is cool. So then I started to build a, a basically a set that would be um, specifically for small mammals. So I started to create things out of clay and leaves so it looked natural. And that's when Springwatch first picked up um, one of the first things I did with a little mammal box and um so then i did some work with springwatch they featured my footage and then i helped them build one of their first mammal stumps based on what i'd learned from what i was doing yeah. because you get better you watch the wildlife you understand the wildlife and then you create a set so that they interact within that set uh, yeah give you the best images
1: you're almost setting a little stage for them
0: absolutely and that, um, yeah. you know, once you've sort of got your foot in the door um, on Springwatch, then sort of your business sort of takes off a bit because people are suddenly, suddenly your work is then broadcast to a much bigger audience. And it's just literally accelerated from there. And been it's been, it's it's totally amazing. And the people I've met and connected with, mainly through social media, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just wonderful and i love what i do and i think that comes through and and also there's nothing i'm doing here that anybody couldn't do themselves at home you know i'm buying off the shelf kit okay i'm i'm using it in a creative way and some of the cameras now getting quite expensive but you know live streaming now is affordable it's doable you know we can get a camera that watches our dog at home while we go to work or yeah. as if someone's come to the door that same login Log on your yeah,
1: phone yeah
0: that same technology it can be used in in all sorts of ways so yeah. there's so much potential and it's just I think I always say you're only limited by your imagination nowadays really
1: <laughs> yeah absolutely so you've this is part of your career now you know doing doing this yeah
0: yeah so um I teach two days a week and that's like my bread and butter money and yeah. I also manage a seven acre site uh, in, it's a private garden in um, Worcestershire called View. So yeah, I've seen that. loads of cameras in there and the wildlife there is is just amazing. So.
1: And is that just private individuals who got in touch and said, could you come and do something for us?
0: Yes. They actually saw me on Springwatch um, okay. when I filmed a bit here in my garden showing some of the early stuff I set up. And they say yeah. we've got this beautiful site. We're absolutely crazy about wildlife. You know, can you come and help? Yeah, basically, we can come and help as an and advisor. So um, I went out, you know, just as a one-off to have a look. And I still remember walking out onto their decking. Um, they've got like a beautiful patio area at the top of the garden, and looking over this seven-acre site onto the River Seven, and <laughs> thinking, right, oh my goodness. <laughs>
1: And yeah, just all playing, your dreams like, are made, were they?
0: Yeah, I know. And it's like, you mean you'd like me to do something here? And I thought, crikey, I'm going to get stuff here that I'd never be have the chance to film at home.
1: Yeah. So
0: what started was just uh, me advising them seven, probably seven years, is it now? So I basically go oh, there right. every week. It just turned into, it was... You know, this kit is great, but it's only as good as the person who will look through all the footage and lift stuff and create the scenarios. You know, it's yeah. a lot of work. It, you, you can't was, just set the camera and let it get on with it. You've got to look at the footage. You've got to, you know, go through it. You've got to create those sets.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I know from checking our trail cameras with the Wildlife Group, you don't want to miss anything, so you really do have to troll through everything, don't you?
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of it now is it's wired cameras and it's set up on a um, on a um, system that lets me monitor it twenty four seven. But I've still got to look through and find it. You know, these are all wired cameras; they're not remote trail cameras. Although I do use those as well. You know, yeah. I've still got to look through all that footage and and basically find and it. edit it together. Yeah, and it's it's massively time consuming. I mean, it just consumes all of my life. Really, when I'm not there or doing stuff in the garden, I'm looking at footage.
1: <laughs> yeah. So tell yeah, us it. how many how many cameras or what kind of cameras do you have on the go at the moment? Because I'm looking at your website. There's quite quite a number that are like yeah, streaming so,
0: there. Yeah. So I have a number streaming here, and they change regularly. Uh, so I, I, I probably, I have between 10 and 20 here at home, but I stream, I usually stream between six and eight because some streaming services cost, obviously. Um, I I try and offer a range of, of stuff here at home because I think that's important because it inspires people to think, well, what could I do in my garden? But there is a camera on there in Ecuador. I went to Ecuador at the beginning of this year and Bit of kit that I'm working on out there and set it up, um, which yeah. means I can now log on to Ecuador here at home. And I did the same uh, in Scotland at Agus Field Centre, so we've got one up in yeah. Scotland as well that I live stream. And the others are here here in my home.
1: I'm looking at the Ecuador one right now, and there's um lots of insects buzzing around um nectar and fruit, but hummingbirds buzzing around. Yeah. And there was a correct me if I'm wrong, a Tyra earlier yeah. on today on your Twitter. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and there. What's,
1: what's a tyra if the listeners don't know?
0: <laughs> right, a tyra is in um, the mustelid family. So it's a bit like a, uh, uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger of the pine martin world. So if you're familiar with yeah. pine martins, um, then it's a much, much bigger, chunkier version of that.
1: Like a pine martin on steroids. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. It is, and I was lucky enough to see them. I'd never. Uh, been out there before and i saw them when i was out there um at the beginning of the year and oh my goodness it was possibly one of the most exciting things it was fantastic they're beautiful and they visit this feeding station on a daily basis so if you log in at some point on the um ecuador one you're pretty much sure to see them because they put bananas out for them and they also drink the nectar we put out for the hummingbirds
1: (laughs) Right. So they know when they're on to a good thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they come daily, but they're they're beautiful mammals and very little ma- known about them, you know. So they're they're a pretty important mammal. Um and beautiful. Yeah. Great hunter. Also.
1: And in on the Scottish one then their their cousin, obviously the Pine Martin, comes to your Scottish um, Camera
0: yep. sometimes as well, isn't it? Yeah, so um after dark usually. Although we have had some daytime footage, so they come certainly as it gets colder and there's less food around. They're visiting um quite often on there as well. And red squirrels, and we've got some baby red squirrels coming at the moment, which are gorgeous. So oh. that that is, I must admit that that Agus one is one of my favourite ones. We set I I built the platform with the team again at the well, it was just before lockdown. It was about February time. Um uh we built i built a feeding platform and installed a camera there which they live stream on their website as well as mine and it's it's fab it's so beautiful it's a lovely site and it backs onto woodland. and you whenever you log on during the day there's always birds on it and usually red squirrels as well and if you're lucky you get to see a pine martin can't be bad
1: (laughs) brilliant well i i'm going to tune in more i remember seeing you uh doing that project setting that up for them um Mm. some time ago so yeah Time time gets in the way. I think um, my boss mightn't be too uh, impressed if I was, you know, <laughs> watching your live streams all day, every day.
0: Have it on the background, just have it on in the background. The Ecuador I one is in the background because it's got audio and you can hear all the unusual birds and all the flitting and um, whirring of the hummingbirds' wings. It's beautiful. Real.
1: <laughs> I'll use the excuse that it's like it's mindfulness and keeping restoring my zen while I'm stuck indoors Absolutely. working
0: from home. Yeah. Absolutely
1: great um Kate do you have any favorite species that you've filmed or any favorite setups that you've done that like you know you you really have loved or have surprised you maybe
0: um I can quite honestly say I love doing them all and I know that sounds sounds um you know you think well if you've been to Ecuador how can that not be your favorite but actually You know, every year when I set up um, cameras inside my nest boxes and I wait because I'm pretty much guaranteed that blue tits will go in one box in particular, I get the same every year watching that cycle and I've watched it over and over and over again. And I always see something I hadn't noticed before or I learn something new. Yeah. So I do love the nest box season because obviously that's something that just comes around um, every year. But equally... I feed birds all year round, and I'm always changing my setups, mainly because I'm I I get bored of looking at the same feeders. So then I swap them over, and I do a different setup, or I create, you know, interesting. Because I think if people are watching my live streams, it's nice to see different stuff as well. Yeah. So I'm always trying bird feeders. I've got hundreds of bird feeders. So whereas some women might have shoes or handbags, I just have fleeces and bird (laughs) feeders. I have a brilliant. bird feeders um a bit obsessed with bird feeders so if I ever see one I, was I, gonna have- say,
1: I won't ask you about your bird feed bill then
0: <laughs> oh my goodness yeah let's not go there but um I don't I don't go out much and I don't drink or smoke so I think oh I'll just buy another sack of um sunflower hearts
1: <laughs> that's a pretty that's a pretty wholesome addiction you've got going on there don't worry about it
0: I know I know I think that too. so so yeah I do. I do get a lot of pleasure out of that. But, of course, when you're filming like I I am, you get to see stuff, you know, that's unexpected. So I've had, I filmed like a polecat in my garden. (laughs) And I would never have known that was there. They're so hard to see. Um, So that appeared just randomly once. Um, You get nice interactions between species. I've got a little waterhole I made out of a tyre. And I've, you know, this year I've filmed Chiff Chaff and Black cap. Um, and jays coming down and jays are a bird that I would sort of certainly up to a couple of years ago never have had in the garden and not seen around here very much but jays are a species that have really um really um sort of suddenly become a lot more common certainly around here so I hear them regularly mm. around my oak tree so I think these cameras just give you a little bit more insight um into what's going on every day in your own patch. So I feel probably I'm really privileged to be very connected to my space and all my cameras live stream into my office. So when I'm working at my desk, I've got all these screens up and I can see everything that's happening. And if they ever go down, I'm like bereft because I'm so used to being able to see everything that's happening in the garden wildlife-wise. And And in real
1: time time as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I'm watching it live. But also those cameras are recording. So generally at the end of the day, I'll just have a quick whiz through and just, you know, just check them out and see if anything unusual's come. And then of course trail cameras are another thing. i set those up more remotely. So at the moment I've just discovered a, a a really nice little owl site relatively close to me. So I've got trail cams set up there. So it's trying to find the time to nip up and get the get the trail cameras. Um, yeah,
1: we spoke about that little hour when we when we talked about arranging this podcast, didn't we? And you just set it up that day. Yeah. Yes, Have you got some good stuff from it?
0: Yeah, I've got some. I've got some cracking stuff. The trouble is, I'm so busy that my blog is suffering now because I just literally because you can well as you can probably imagine to write a blog and collect all that footage and get stuff on is incredibly time consuming, and my whole evenings are filled with looking through all the footage so i keep thinking oh do a blog post because i've got some really nice stuff so now i'm trying to work out how i could get a live camera up there i'm always thinking ahead you know i'm thinking oh that's really nice so how can i get a camera up there is her internet good enough um and really i want to get some stuff ready for next spring because they bred this year but i missed that so i'm hoping okay you know, the winter's a really good time to be thinking ahead to the spring and nesting and filming potential and trying to bring yeah. different things to people because it's a really good way of educating, you know, often people totally. are like, Oh, I didn't know that yeah. or even learning to recognise the most common birds in their garden, which I think is yeah. fantastic. So birds to yeah, me
1: Yeah, we saw that with um, Ealing Wildlife Group this year. We had a blue tit nest cam as well. And um, I didn't have time. So I gave the the box to a friend of mine, Nigel, who's retired. Mm -hmm. And uh, he put it in his garden to replace a box with the blue tit's Blue tits always go in. Yeah. He's pretty confident he would get them, and they did come. A, a great tit inspected first, but then didn't find it to their liking. So the blue tits came. um They were named Stella and Murray, and the entire of Ealing Wildlife Group, thousands of people on Facebook every day waiting for updates on Stella and Murray um, mm-hmm. and their chicks. It yeah, is. and it was it people is. just loved it, you know.
0: Yeah, it is fantastic, and I think once you have that connection, and you discover that connection, that then. Literally sets you off. It like opens yeah. the doors, and then you're like, "Oh, I really enjoyed that." Um, you know, and then and then people are thinking, "Oh, could I do that in my garden? Could I?" And yeah. you can. You know, the kits you can buy now. Oh my goodness, you know, for maybe a, if you wanted a decent one, you're talking maybe 130 pounds. That's the box, the camera, and all the cabling. To so yeah. do this yourself in your garden. <laughs> and believe I think
1: I think we'll probably have a few more Bluetooth cameras on Ealing Wildlife Group next spring.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and being able to share it is the most amazing thing. That's what I love most. Yeah. That is absolutely what I love most is when. And I've had people email me from all over the world. Um, I mean, I had a lovely email um, from a lady in Australia who said, "I so love just watching your garden birds and seeing right. different species." And then I had another lovely letter from an elderly couple. Um, the wife and her husband was virtually blind and and um sort of bedridden. And she said, with a magnifying glass, he can watch your cameras on a screen, and then we've got right. something to talk about because he can see the birds visiting and we can talk about it. And she said, it's been an absolute godsend. And I thought, oh my god, it made me really, really emotional,
1: emotional, yeah. <laughs>
0: Someone could get that much pleasure, and especially in lockdown, you know, people were stuck indoors. Yet they could access cameras, not just mine, obviously. There's live cameras from all over the world. I mean, mine are relatively um bland compared to some of the amazing stuff. But I think people just like. I found that people actually have really enjoyed just the British birds, you know, and and a British garden because. What they could learn from watching my site, and it's got all the ID, you know, and I, I talk about all the different species, was that they then are looking in their garden and like, oh, my goodness, I've got one of those. <laughs> I've got a blue tip. Yeah. I've got a great Oh, that's a green fidge. I always wondered what that was. And then people are saying, what can I put out for them? You know, what food could I use? What feeders? So, yeah. you know, before you know it, you've got people hooked, and that's really what I'm yeah. about.
1: totally. Annie, um Frustrating episodes or like catastrophic failures, you know, when you were sure you would get something and all the time, uh, yeah.
0: But I always say, and you know, you've got to have failures to have successes because everything I've and I and I'm I'm pretty ambitious with um with what I what I film and and it. So you know, in order to get those special things, you've got to think outside the box, and that means taking risks and trying things that people haven't tried before or doing things that haven't been done before. And, yeah, plenty of times it doesn't work out. Um, or I, I come up with some crazy idea and then try and turn it into reality and think, hmm, right, that's not going to work. But then
1: bit challenging. <laughs> you, think
0: about what, yeah, you think about what you're going to change and you adapt it and it gets better because of that you know yeah. and i and i and i always say to kids as well you know there's no wrong because every time you do something wrong you think right how how am i going to do it right and you've learnt from that wrong and that's what life's about isn't it using your mistakes and and learning from them and then Becoming better at what you do, and and everything I do is like that. And people say about my trail cam footage, you know, how comes you've got so much amazing trail cam footage? I've said because I don't show you the ninety five percent of rubbish. I only show yeah. you my best stuff. You know, I've trawled it's through. It's a numbers
1: pictures. game, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, you might trawl through four hundred and fifty clips, and there's one that I'm happy with. So that's the one yeah. I'm going to put out on social media, isn't it? Because that's absolutely the one well. I- that shows
1: it off I just pulled I just pulled a blinder this evening Kate because um before before we came on I was like right I need to get like you know a little bit of outdoor time before it gets dark now and uh I went down to check one of my trail cams um on one of the nature reserves we created kneeling and I got a water rail on it (gasps) whoa yeah so well, okay. um, I got you a little tip that
0: and you were like, Yes <laughs> when you were like when oh. I
1: got a tip off to be fair. I did um film a water rail on a trail cam there like two winters ago or something, but I thought it was a, a yeah. kind of a one off because it was yeah. just cold weather. And um yeah. I got a tip off from a birder I know who said there's a water rail down there feeding with the two moorhens. Um so I went down a few times on my on my walks and didn't see it. I said, You know what? I'm gonna put a trail cam on a pole into the like Edge or the margin of the, the vegetation, the waterside vegetation. Yeah. And um, I checked it last week and there was nothing, just more hens and um, a couple of wrens flitting around. Mm-hmm. And then uh, this evening I've got two nice shots of a water rail, which is great.
0: Fab. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I've had you know, the, the site um, at view, it goes down to the River Severn. And um we've had right. ot- otter down there. So when we first started, I'd I had trail cams and I honestly I've never looked at so many clips of Moorhen in my life. It was I either know. Moorhen yeah. or Rat at night. And like oh I'd have trial cam footage after trial like hours and hours, but it would all be yeah. worth it because within that hidden, there would be one clip of an otter, at which point And then the
1: moment out. that comes up, you're like,
0: yes. <laughs> I know, and then paranoid that you're going to clear the card or something. Quick, quick, copy it across in case I lose
1: it. I know, I have done that once, not with an otter, but uh, with some footage I quite liked, and then it's like all gone. You're like, no, how did I do that?
0: (laughs) I know.
1: I was (laughs) yeah. I was looking at your website earlier and um, what I didn't realise was on it was your alfresco wild challenges. That's That looks really great. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yes, that, that came out of lockdown um, because I, was, I, I only teach two days a week. But before we took on, um, when we were just on key workers, um, we were all down to shorter hours. So I was only going in once a fortnight and we had all our children obviously at home. And we were all, and it's a big school, it's 600 pupils. So um, I was trying to think of ways that I could engage those pupils and keep them and use this time to get them out in their spaces, you know, the stuff that I'm trying to do at school all the time. Yeah. You know, as a teacher, it it was pretty easy for me. So I decided to start putting online some really fun, simple activities that parents might think, actually, that looks like, We'd all enjoy doing that, not the sitting at the desk, working your way through the, you know, the stuff that had been sent from school, the academic, more more academic stuff, yeah. but actually to incorporate that learning into an activity that the whole family would enjoy, and it wouldn't be like a chore to have to do. So I came yeah. up with a series of activities um, that all had an underlying thread of learning uh, um, about them, but they were really good fun and the response was incredible, you know, so many children, and I, you know, people sent them on Facebook, and would send me pictures of their kids having done them, and it was, it was absolutely lovely, so really really nice, and I I plan on keeping, you know, keeping, adding to those as well, because we were very well received, and it's sometimes as a parent as well, if you're not knowledgeable or you've never done anything like that, and obviously loads of parents suddenly found they were teachers um, yeah. at home, to, to for someone to sort of hand it to you on a plate and say, well, look, how about having a go at this activity you can share, and I, whenever anybody shared it, I always responded to it as well, which is really important for a child. If they've taken the time to do your activity or draw it or film something, then to get a message back from me you know, makes it all worthwhile, and I love that. I love sharing things.
1: Yeah, brilliant! It's a great way to engage young people, isn't it? To get them doing something active and and then fun that they can look at later and discover more about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they're so creative. I love working with kids because they often, you know, I come up with an idea, but then they go off on a tangent, and often that tangent was better than my original
1: idea. <laughs> yeah, show you up.
0: Yeah, well, I did one on um, building bird feeders out of Lego. And then um Oh really? And then filming your birds coming on it and there was some absolutely brill brill ones or using your toys. So I I like went through the loft and found a load of old Juplo and and um like wild animal um toy animals and I like set them up in bird feeding scenarios and oh it was yes. so much fun. I'm just a big kid really.
1: Good. <laughs> never lose it, never lose it. Um, so for listeners then, not not to put you under pressure, but what are your kind of um, top five tips or activities to kind of you know get families doing something in their outdoor space, whether they've got, you know, a garden or a balcony or whatever, what would be your kind of top five tips?
0: Right. Well, the first one is get to know your own space. So whether that be yeah. a window box or a tiny little garden or a big garden or a park, if you haven't even got your own space. Spend a little bit of time in your own space and throughout the year and, and start noticing noticing it. So look for things. Even if you just look for one thing that you liked when you went outside, that could just be the feeling of the sun on your face. It could be the sound of a bird si- singing. It could be running your fingers through the grass. It could be, you know, really simple things. It could be picking yeah. up something every day that you think, that's beautiful, and it's it's surprisingly easy. And at this time of the year, spiders' webs. I absolutely. I'm an early riser. I'm not a night owl. I'm a lark. Um, right. And in these autumn mornings when it's dewy, just looking at spiders' webs, I could literally. They're
1: incredible, them, aren't they?
0: Amazing. So it's really noticing the simple things. Uh, that would be one thing. Um, birds. If if you can attract birds into your garden. It's such a good way into learning about wildlife, and if you, yeah. even if you live in a flat or you haven't got a garden, there's some amazing window feeders. And in fact, there's. One- I was
1: going to say, I always recommend re- on
0: my on my website at the moment because I felt it was yeah. a really important thing to to bring out to people. So you can attract wildlife. So learning attracting and feeding the birds is to me is amazing. Yeah. If you're lucky enough to have a garden then thinking about how you can make it work for wildlife. So whether it be making a little pond or planting there's been so much about this on just about every TV program and everything over the last um the last sort of 8 months. So there's plenty online to help you. Um and it doesn't have to be huge amounts. It doesn't you know my one of my life, most successful live streams this year has been what I call my water hole which is a recycled tyre with a bit of waterproof material. It cost me nothing to make.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And all through the summer I've had birds bathing in it and drinking from it. And even now, you know, this morning the blackbird was in there having a bath. So bringing water. So you had a
1: great spotted woodpecker in at one point, didn't you? Yeah,
0: great spotted woodpecker down there as well. Comes quite regularly in the summer. It's got a bit of a lull now, but when it gets really cold again, I'll keep that frost free and then obviously water's just as essential in the winter so stuff like that um is is really good and getting outside sometimes you know that you think it's wet it's gray it's windy and you think oh actually I'd rather stay in my nice warm central heated home but make the effort actually go outside because you will not regret it you know and they say there's no such thing as bad weather just bad clothes or inappropriate
1: clothes clothes. yeah yeah (laughs)
0: You know, I, I don't care what the weather is. You know, I've got, I have got—I live most of my life in wellies and waterproofs. And, you know, it, it can be just as invigorating going out on a wet, windy day um, as it can be in the summer. And, and a lot of people just with kids as well, they've never been out in the rain because they're told to come in. Yeah. At school, we've just invested in some of those zip up all in ones. And if you've got young children, I thoroughly recommend them. You can just literally yes. zip your kids into them and then just let them go out and don't be afraid do
1: a bit of puddle jumping yeah,
0: don't be afraid to let them get dirty. you know I'm dealing with junior kids here who don't want to get their hands dirty, and I'm like, come on, so I'm just I just zip these kids in and then and once they get over that all their lives, they've been told a lot of them you know don't jump there don't get in that mud don't get your hands dirty and then suddenly they come out with wildlife cake she's like yeah yeah you can jump in that yeah you can touch that yeah we can wash up yeah. when we get back and and it doesn't take long <laughs> before they're making up for lost time
1: absolutely kids are too clean these days huh
0: <laughs> absolutely absolutely so i love i love getting them out and um so so really, it's it's none of it's rocket science. Don't be afraid of the outdoors, is what I want to say. Really, just get getting yeah. to know your own space, and then discover some of your local footpaths, and which is what a lot of people did in lockdown. Mm. Um, and your local parks and your local green spaces, and make a little bit of time to get out in those. Definitely, yeah. Because yeah. It's just essential, and you know things are not going to go back to normal for a little while yet. So use no. the time to to really reconnect because it, it it's good for you now, but it's good for you for the rest of your life. And and I totally. a lot of people are really really realizing how how true that is.
1: Yeah, yeah, and um, what we've found and seen a lot with our members on on the wildlife group is um, getting even just a, f- a fairly cheap. Little model of a trail camera mm-hmm. can really open up what's coming to your space and what's coming to your garden. Would you have yeah. any kind of top tips for people if they are getting their first trail camera?
0: Yeah, absolutely. um You know, most of the ones I use, I must admit, uh, uh, are the Bushnell's, which are more expensive, but the quality is tip top. Um, yeah, but I uh, recently, and hopefully I'll be doing a blog soon, I've been so many people ask me about this that. Um, and you know a lot of people aren't especially in these times not going to want to spend 150 to 200 pounds on a trial camera um but there yeah. are some really cheap ones cheaper ones on the market and generally as with most optics the more you spend the better it is but i've i've been doing some experimenting and i've got a little cheap 40 pound one at the moment that i'm experimenting with um,
1: right
0: and i'm going to do some comparisons and the sort of pros and cons and uh, you know, if, if you just want to know if you've got hedgehogs coming or what visits your garden and you're not too fussed about broadcasting, you know, tip-top 1080p HD footage, then yeah. a, a way of engaging can be, you know, with some of these these little cheap, cheap and cheerful ones. Um, there are a few yeah. things you need to look out for when you're buying them. But, you know, the technology is moving on so quickly that the quality... Of of what you can get for your money now, obviously, is improving. And um so the one I've got at the moment, certainly nighttime footage is is pretty good for a forty pound camera. <laughs> yeah, isn't good enough for me. I must admit because you know it's it's not as crisp as I'm used to. And when you're yeah, to-
1: but as you say, just showing that yeah. something is there, it's fine, Absolutely. isn't it?
0: Absolutely. And you can um you can adapt these as well because most of them are are designed to uh, monitor a a a distance, and I like doing close-up stuff. So I've experimented and bought, you know, you can buy really cheap reading glasses, uh, Mm. taking the lenses off of those and taping them on the front of your trail cam, and then um, working out what the focal distance is by basically triggering the camera and moving an object down a ruler. So I set set an object, you know, maybe, I don't know, 50 centimetres away, So it's recording and then call out 40 centimetres, 30 centimetres, 20 centimetres, play the video back and see at what point it's going to come into focus. And then you can then set it maybe on a bird feeder with effectively a close-up lens on it and then do some new filming. So
1: Okay, I'm I'm nicking that tip, Kate.
0: (laughs) So sometimes you can take your existing kit and then use it to film wildlife most people have got phones you can have an app on your laptop that actually triggers your um recording on your mobile phone so you go and set your mobile phone up on the um bird feeder and then you sit inside and then when it comes you trigger it on your app you know there's so much stuff that you can use now that you can adapt and 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 think outside the box i think that's what it is i like being creative
1: brilliant and I, I think with kids as well they like that kind of marriage of technology and nature don't they we see that on our bat walks all the time where you hand them a, an electronic bat detector and talk to them about like nature and bats and, and what the bats are doing and they just absolutely love it because yeah. it's technology geek stuff and nature geek stuff
0: yeah and there was a, you know there's been a lot of talk about oh well technology is totally destroyed you know kids all they do is sit on their laptop and, and I'm like show these children how they can use their technology to engage. Mm. Because I think, oh, my goodness, if I'd had access to this kind of kit when I was a kid, goodness knows where, I, <laughs> where I'd have gone, you'd never have seen me, and I was a pretty geeky kid at the best of times. Yeah, where, um, yeah. You know, they've got they've got amazing cameras, video technology at their fingertips.
1: Yes, and it is incredible. And it's all
0: about, you know, how could we use that? You know, to to make cool little, and they love using all the apps and you know the video um, apps you can get now for combining clips, putting special effects, putting text, transitions, titles, all on your phone. I know. <laughs> so I get really enthusiastic about it with kids, and of course they love that. They and they're so good. they Invariably, they're way better than me, and they usually teach me a load of stuff. Or oh, they're like, uh, oh, I, I look at what they've done. I'm like, how have you done that? <laughs>
1: I know. They're definitely better than me. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, so before we wrap up, there was a couple of things I wanted to ask you, actually just kind of came to mind earlier. Um, your artificial badger set mm. you made. <laughs> where did that idea come from?
0: Uh, it's another one of my crazy ones where I'm not satisfied with filming them above ground and I'm thinking, hmm, how could we do this? And 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 being at UVU, it's just given me, well, the most incredible opportunities to film well not only species that i've never filmed before but also to create projects like this um yeah uh, the owners of the site are incredibly into their wildlife and they funded some pretty incredible ideas i go to them with like so i'd really like to build a badger set in the garden we'd already got badgers using the site so i just came Mm up with the idea i'd love to wouldn't it be great if we could get them to go into an artificial set and then film them underground? Yeah. So I think, you know, it's not something you just suddenly think, oh, yeah, I'll just go and build a badger set you know it
1: we we are actually thinking of it which is why i'm asking you in ealing because we've had we've discovered some badger sets um in ealing and we think they're fairly recent arrivals because they've been absent for some time so definitely would love to hear your uh, your top yeah. tips
0: so, on, so i did loads yeah. of research you know i'm not the first person yeah. to build an artificial badger set by any means but i did a lot of research um about you know what i'd need to do what they'd want and and also a lot of this this work i do is it's knowing your species. So, yeah. you know, I've watched the badgers at you I've I've watched badgers well for a long time. Um, so, it, and, and done a lot of research about them as a species and what how they use their sets. And so, you've got to look at the whole picture. You've got to put your. I always try and put myself as the animal. So, if I was a badger, what would I want? If I'm a bird yeah. and I want to come and feed in your garden, what things are going to stop me coming to your bird feeder? As simple as that. Um, yeah and so I did a lot of research and then in, in fact I um, worked alongside another company who helped me build the the actual set and then I basically designed a, a system that I could lower a camera down to and plug the camera into our existing quite high-tech system at you know, UV. so that I could, right. um, basically monitor so these cameras film 24 7 inside the set and each week when I go I have a week's worth of um like sometimes up to 30 cameras uh to to look through. And wow. Um yeah, we've had some cracking footage. In fact, we've had a long period with nothing in the set and then the last few weeks um we've had a female back in uh using it. But but you know, you learn so much these these sets there's a the big set about a mile away and Badgers often have what what we call satellite sets, so they have like yeah. popular sets around, and they can be used. Nobody really knows because it's very hard to understand what's going on in them and why. But I believe that from what I've seen that um, they use these satellite sets uh, either because they're ill, so they're old and they are basically been ousted from the main set. You know, they're part of yeah. their productive's time, so they might go and use another area um or they're ill so i've actually had a badger die in in the in the artificial set right
1: yeah
0: really old obviously old very frail looking and she actually died in the chamber Uh,
1: yeah
0: but um or they're young ones that are like the teenagers you know they're they're sort of finding their full
1: striking out on their own
0: out on their own or passing through so you get quite a mixture of, of usage of these, so so yeah. We built this, I don't know how long ago, maybe five years ago now, and um, right. we're going strong. And sometimes we get like they stay in it every day, and then we have long periods where nothing, and then we have a couple more, and then nothing. We had a fox in for a bit. We've had um, stoat in there, just passing through. Uh, wow. So, you know, it's 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 fantastic, and I've actually built an otter hole as well. Last summer, I built an otter hole with two chambers, and then the water. The obviously, we had a lot of flooding last year, <laughs> and the hole yeah. went underwater for so long. And then we had lockdown. Um, so I've just ordered, and that's another thing with technology moving on. Some underwater cameras, so ah. I can wire this otter hole up and not have to worry about putting a 350-pound camera down and then the River 7 rising six foot overnight. Yeah. <laughs> you basically film the River 7 coming up and destroying your camera.
1: Yeah, that would not so, be good. <laughs>
0: so I'm hoping, um, we've, we've ordered one to give it a trial, and if it works, then I'm going to put those in in both, I've, bought, I've built a double-chambered otter hole and wow. um, hopefully my aim is to be able to film film otter.
1: Yeah, that would be great. Um, one other question I had for you, which I'm often surprised by because I get a lot of nighttime footage on my trail cams. Have you ever managed to capture a bat on any of your cameras?
0: I have in the background. So yeah. I've had like other species and then uh, a bat fly past.
1: <laughs> okay. And That's what I've been hoping traffic for, traffic. but it hasn't happened yet.
0: Yeah, and tra- yeah, I have had them on trail cameras as well in the background, but they're so quick, they often don't, yeah, the camera themselves. It's when something else has triggered the camera and a bat happens to fly past in the background,
1: yeah. So it's even more chance, yeah. uh, <laughs> chance occurrence,
0: yeah. And though I did have um, a sparrowhawk one, I've got an amazing clip at UView of a sparrowhawk landing on a um, post that we actually filmed kingfishers on a wildlife pond there and um sparrowhawk okay. landed and it had a dorbenton's bat in its talons and it
1: proceeded really it
0: proceeded to eat the whole bat in front of the camera and I had the motion.
1: Oh I need to I need to see that is yeah. that online somewhere Yeah,
0: that's on my YouTube channel somewhere <laughs>
1: I will I will definitely go and look at that afterwards and totally geek out. <laughs> bird birds of prey and bats are two of my favorite wow,
0: things. wow, so. there we are. That's a perfect well, one. It depends what how you feel about your bird of prey eating the bat, but um
1: it's all nature, it's all yeah, nature. They find a
0: Unique that. footage. I couldn't find anyone else who had actually. There's often the, the apparently there'd been, you know, reports of sparrowhawks being able to catch them because it was that crossover period between the sparrowhawk going back to roost and the bats coming out. So the the light yeah. was just going, and the camera was about to go into IR, and um, yeah, and so yeah, fantastic hunters, and it had obviously managed to get this bat, and now I had about a, a eight minute clip or something of it because it was still alive when it landed; it still had it like oh. struggling in its talons. I think I was yeah, what, yeah. it a few years ago, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, what's next then, Kate? What are are you working on at the moment?
0: Oh, lots and lots of projects. Um, I am filming tomorrow, but I can't tell you what that's for because it's for a top secret thing that will come out just before Christmas.
1: Um, Is this your um, rather strange homemade creation I saw on you?
0: It's another um, rather...
1: Like a spaceship.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be something like that, but I'm not allowed to say. I'm sworn okay to um and then i'm also working on some pretty exciting camera technology with an amazing company um called Birdsey. this technology and and some of the cameras you'll see live streaming on my website are using this kit but not only is it um using uh not only is it as a camera that live streams but it uses artificial intelligence to id what is visiting
1: oh wow so actually
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, I saw that on your Twitter um, last year, maybe or maybe early this year, and I immediately looked it up. But it's not—is it available here yet? Not
0: quite, not quite. It's it's brand new technology. I've been working with the company for about a year now, uh, basically working on more the customer and user end. So I've been trialing it, and um, I'm not doing all the clever stuff. The company are doing that so right. they are doing all the programming but but basically this bit of kit you set it up on your bird feeder it records everything everything every time a bird comes it will do a recording for you but it will also ID it so I can log on my on my phone on my PC and I can see all the species that are visited with the video clip ready to share on social media it's pretty darn amazing so last year the company – well, earlier in the year the company did a Kickstarter campaign, which was funded within oh, a few days. So, yeah. uh, But then, of course, we hit lockdown and all the implications of that in terms of um, the technology and the having it made. Um, so we're yeah. at the stage now. We're hoping um, it will be a, a available to buy towards the end of this year or the beginning of next
1: Right I'm going to put it on my christmas list hopefully.
0: It, 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 and again that's that's taking the technology to a whole new level using artificial yes. intelligence to actually id and so it's almost like a trail camera that looks through everything and then just gives you all the clips with the interesting stuff already named ready to go.
1: Love it. Love it.
0: <laughs> the way you
1: probably costs a pretty penny too but sure that's it no, another no thing. it won't it won't it, it won't.
0: okay so it's it's gonna be it's it's gonna be cheaper than the average trial camera put it that way
1: oh great okay i'm definitely gonna uh, sign up to <laughs> that then um where can people find out more uh case
0: basically on my website so um wildlifekate.co.uk You'll be able to see my live cameras there. You'll be able to see the other work I do. You'll be able to read yeah. out Birdsey and how I've been working with them and how it's progressing. So, and and all my contact details are on there. If you are interested in what I do, just follow me on Twitter. That just about does everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you're most active on Twitter, but you have other social media as well.
0: I do do other social media, but Twitter, you know, you, you tend to just hit on one that, but you one work the time yeah and that's where most of my following is so um yeah that's the one that works best for me
1: brilliant well look guys I highly recommend you do follow wildlife kate um it's absolutely brilliant I've done so for years um I missed the sparrowhawk and bat footage so I'm definitely off to uh, have a look at that um on your youtube channel as well but okay look thanks so much for coming on it's been fascinating and um, talking to you I might keep you on a little bit after for a couple of minutes just to uh pick your brains on some camera projects we're doing. Yeah. Um but it's been brilliant having you on. Thanks so much.
0: No, thank you for inviting me. I've enjoyed the chat and hopefully we can work together on some projects in the future. <laughs>
1: yeah i'd be delighted to so guys if you've enjoyed this episode of sean's wildlife podcast do hit like and subscribe if you can leave a review for us on whatever podcast and um, listening app of choice that you use that would be great too and if you would like to contribute to the running costs of the podcast you're more than welcome to do so on a cast supporter or on patreon so it's over and out from myself and wildlife kate for another week
0: bye